1: Look, I want to be Star Trek, you want to be Star Trek,
0: that guy in the bushes over there behind you wants to be in Star Trek as well. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, The Star Trek bit I should mention. With that in mind, I'm Sean Ferrick for Trek Culture and here are 10 films that wanted to be Star Trek. Number 10, Avengers: Endgame. I'm not actually joking. This is one that's actually been confirmed by the Russo brothers, both of whom openly admitted to being heavily inspired by Star Trek The Next Generation. Specifically, they said that All Good Things was the main point of reference when putting the film together. Both stories see the heroes travelling to various points in time, affecting the past and future. Both also see them, when in the past, trying their hardest not to interfere with the normal flow of time, though this proves impossible in the big budget film. There's a large emphasis on Technobabble in Endgame, along with the standard explanations that tended to follow Trek's Technobabble, allowing for plenty of in-jokes with the audience. Finally, once all was said and done with the film, the end credits begin to roll. Oddly enough, that's when the Star Trek inspiration is most brazenly on show. When the big six stars are credited, their signatures appear on screen. While the original Avengers theme swells around them, this is a direct lift or borrow from Star Trek VI The Undiscovered Country. Another nod to the Star Trek fans and another little inclusion that makes this movie far closer to a Trek film than many in the audience ever expected. Number 9, The Quester Tapes. The Quester Tapes was a made-for-TV movie written by Gene Roddenberry himself. The original idea was a reworking of his script for Star Trek's second season, Assignment Earth. In that story, a benevolent species sends Gary Seven to protect Earth from its own mistakes. In the Quester Tapes, a benevolent race installed android protectors among humanity there to guide and lead them away from harm. In both stories, the rapid advent of technology changes the parameters of the visitors' missions. The televised version of the Quester Tapes also contains elements that would appear again in Star Trek The Motion Picture. Quester is an android lost and looking for its creator. This, of course, is highly reminiscent of V'ger, though there are also shades of data. When a situation calls for the need to seduce a lady, Quester states that he is fully functional. The movie almost went one step further. Though Robert Foxworth, who would later appear as Admiral Layton and Administrator Velas, played Quester in the film, Leonard Nimoy was originally asked to play the part. He went so far as to take part in makeup tests before he was passed over for the role. Number 8. Forbidden Planet. Now, looking at the year of release, 1956, a very obvious question springs to mind. How could Forbidden Planet want to be Star Trek, nine years before The Cage was even written. Well, this is a slightly more subjective entry than the others on the list. Forbidden Planet was, in many ways, quite ahead of its time, and would easily have been an episode of the original series. Morbius, Altera, Adams and Robbie the Robot are characters right out of Star Trek's very Bible. Adams is clearly an inspiration for Kirk, encounter Stranded Woman, woo Stranded Woman, bring Stranded Woman away with him. Robbie is also credited as one of the first depictions of an android beyond a simple automaton, serving as inspiration for Data. The core threat of the film shows the battle between the conscious and the unconscious, along with the war between the ego and id, With that, the main villain of the film is a dream. One made manifest by alien technology and the protagonists don't understand that. Star Trek itself owes more than a little to this seminal sci-fi film, while Forbidden Planet, had it simply come along a little later on, might well have suited William Shatner and Majel Barrett in the heroic roles, and probably would have had Gene Roddenberry half a chance to say something about it. Number 7. Enemy Mine Enemy Mine is a 1984 film directed by Wolfgang Petersen serving as inspiration for The Enemy, a fourth season episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. It features Dennis Quaid and Louis Gossett Jr. as Davidge and Jerry, two soldiers from opposing species marooned together on a barely hospitable world. The film is Star Trek to the core, first both parties speak in languages that are barely understandable to each other as both attempt to overpower the other. Then, as time wears on, they learn to understand each other before cooperating. The final mission of the film sees one defecting to the other side to save a child. The film has shades of the original series episode Arena in which Kirk fights the Gorn and Cestus III. That story revealed that the aggression between the Federation and the Gorn hegemony stemmed from a miscommunication, something that Roddenberry often returned to in Star Trek. In fact, Star Trek the Motion Picture begins with V'ger unable to understand why it is not receiving a reply from its creator. And Semi Mind could quite easily slot into the Trek franchise with minimal changes required, which of course was part of the intentions at the time. Number 6 Serenity. Serenity, the spin-off and tying up of Firefly, owes a big debt to Star Trek, as did the series before it. While Joss Whedon said that he set Firefly in a region of space that the Enterprise would have flown right past, the Alliance forces represent a twisted version of the Federation, from the point of view of the worlds that didn't exactly want to be under Starfleet's heel. Serenity sees an officer hunting down River and the crew of Malcolm Reynolds' ship, armed with the full authority of the government. The coats are the Separatists, so often depicted as the bad guys in franchise, Like Star Trek, though shown sympathetically here. The crimes of the Alliance are revealed, coated in good intentions with disastrous results. Gene Roddenberry described humanity going through Hell to reach Heaven, with both ends on show in Whedon's Wild West here. Reynolds is like Kirk with a greater sense of humour, though like Kirk, Picard and the rest, he has an infallible sense of doing the right thing even in the wrongest circumstances. It's far from perfect. But Serenity attempts to show a future where people can do the right thing, something that Star Trek has preached since its earliest days.
1: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They
0: charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. This one's a bit of a shock, isn't it? While there was an argument to include Hellraiser 3 on this list, featuring Terry Farrell in her pre-Deep Space Nine days, the fourth Hellraiser film actually fits the world of Star Trek a little better than many might assume. For one, the film is primarily set in space. The film, released in 1996, the same year that Star Trek First Contact hit theatres, sees a time hopping tale that goes from an advanced future to Earth's past, in a plot that feels more than a little inspired by the Borg's temporal plans for humanity. The film introduces Angelique, a new variation on the Cenobites and Demons from Hell, with the film also featuring Adam Scott, who has a small role as the helmsman of the USS Defiant in Star Trek First Contact. There are several similarities here. Angelique is easily likened to the Borg Queen with both attempting to use temptation to gain power. Trickery is eventually the downfall of both the Borg and the Cenobites as the descendant of Le Marchand deduces the way to destroy the demons while the former drone Locutus, (John luc Picard, destroys the Borg. Though Bloodline may be one of the outliers in this list, there are enough similarities to say that this Hellraiser film was trying its best to be a part of the final frontier. Number four. Arrival. In many ways, Arrival feels like a big-budget, extra-long episode of Star Trek. The story revolves around the attempt to communicate with a species not of this world, with little to no emphasis on action. In fact, many of the negative reviews of the film received highlighted its slow pace and largely dialogue-heavy script. Amy Adams stars as the linguist brought in by the military to try and find common ground with this race of aliens. She feels like a lift from episodes of the original series, something we say very much as a compliment here, for when Star Trek was at its best, it was attempting to solve the issues of the universal nature of understanding. Arrival also focuses on the topic of time, something that features again and again pun not intended, in Star Trek. Both Star Trek's 4 and Star Trek First Contact see the various crews of the Enterprise travelling through time to save humanity, with many episodes of the various series visiting it as a theme as well. All else aside, Arrival is a film that dares to take its time to tell its story. Though visually impressive, it relies less on the CGI of the world that it creates, and more on the story built within said world. It falls into the same type of sci-fi in which Star Trek lies, boldly going forward, rather than simply blowing things up. Number three, Silent Running. Silent Running is a 1972 film directed by Douglas Trumbull who would go on to create the effects for Star Trek the Motion Picture. The film depicts Bruce Dern as Freeman Lowell, an astronaut and botanist who serves aboard the Valley Forge. It's a biodome orbiting Saturn tasked with keeping various plants and fauna alive to later be returned to an earth that is currently unable to manage them. The film's theme of conservationism is pure Trek, with Lowell rebelling against his human superiors to protect the plant life aboard a ship. He befriends three drones, Huey, Louie and Dewey, who help him care for the greenery, though Louie is lost along the way. While there is a logical issue within the movie, how did everyone forget the plants need sunlight to survive? It's still a surprisingly forward-thinking environmentalist film for the time. The Valley Forge's mission would be borrowed by Star Trek Discovery, this time portrayed by the USS Tikov. While the Valley Forge itself takes its name from the aircraft carrier, there was also an Excelsior-class ship serving with that name during the Battle of Chintaka in Deep Space Nine. The film may owe more to 2001 than it does to Star Trek, but it still deals with the theme of humanity's own short sightedness, a theme that had already been and would again be visited in Star Trek many, many times. Number 2 Star Wars A New Hope. Now, put down your lightsaber for a second. When George Lucas was writing his space opera, Star Trek had been around for almost a decade. The galaxy far, far away takes inspiration from some of the more militaristic elements of Star Trek while still forging an entire universe of its own. In a strange case of a snake eating its own tail, Star Wars followed on from Gene Roddenberry's works, while also inspiring Paramount to scramble to get the motion picture up and running. Lucas himself stated that Star Wars stood on the shoulders of Star Trek as the latter had softened the audience to the idea of fantasy in outer space. While Trek had stumbled through a second life with the arrival of the animated series, its fans had kept the franchise alive long enough for other attempts at sci-fi fantasy to make a name for themselves, including the tale of young Master Skywalker. To say that there has been a rivalry between Star Wars fans and Star Trek fans is a little bit of an understatement, but the original creators both saw the merit of each other's franchises. No matter which side of the debate one comes down on, it's clear that they both owe a debt of gratitude to each other. Number 1, Galaxy Quest. What list of Trek-themed films would be complete without Galaxy Quest, the 90s parody that was effectively a forerunner to Seth MacFarlane's The Orville. It's both satire and a loving tribute to the original series, while also standing as its own thoroughly enjoyable adventure. The film began life as Captain Starshine, a script by David Howard, who struck on the idea of extraterrestrials believing that the actors really were astronauts. Although this version of the story was ultimately scrapped, the idea was passed to Bob Gordon, who added far more humour than it had originally been present. Harold Ramis was hired to direct, though he passed on the project after Tim Allen was cast as Nesmith. Ramus wanted action stars who could do comedy, as opposed to comedians doing an action film, though he did eventually praise Allen's performance. The film has achieved cult status as both a movie in its own right, but also as a de facto Star Trek film, with the Protector now considered another ship in Starfleet, even if it's a little bit more like the Cerritos in terms of its standing.